Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. When I was 14 years old, I was introduced to a piece of wood with wheels on it called a skateboard. And we would get together, me and my friends, and we would have a good old time. We would go down to the skate park and we would skateboard. We would go down to the church because we had skateboard ramps at our church in Boone's Mill. And then we would go all over Roanoke and Franklin County and just anywhere we could and we would go skateboarding. But when it was snowing outside and raining and inclement weather, we resorted to my house and my parents' basement. And I remember years ago, I was probably about 15 years old, and, and I was down there by myself skateboarding, and, and I was trying to do a trick, and I did a trick and landed on my skateboard, and it just shot out from under me. I landed flat on my back, and I watched in slow motion, as if it were, my skateboard just drive itself into the drywall of my dad's basement in the wall. And instantly in my mind, I, I feared the wrath of Sergeant Ratliff that would be poured out upon me his humble son and servant. <laughs> I began to contemplate in my mind, what in the world am I going to do to try to fix this? So I looked around and I saw pillows on the couch in the basement. And so I took pillows and I covered every square inch of the wall in that basement to cover up the deed that I did. I share that to say this, that an earthly high priest only has the capability for covering sin through the sacrifices for a brief moment of time, at most a year. But we know the heavenly high priest, Jesus Christ, has the capability to not just cover, but to totally, fully cleanse forever the sins that we've committed. Today, as we come to Hebrews chapter 5, we see a great emphasis now on the high priestly role of Jesus Christ. In fact, chapter 5, chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 emphasize this specific role that Jesus has right now in our lives. Today, I want you to walk away with this thought, and it is this thought that I've labeled as my sermon title. Jesus Christ is the perfect high priest. Jesus Christ is the perfect high priest. Last week we saw in, in the last part of chapter 4 that Jesus is the great high priest. But today we see that there's no high priest from Melchizedek to Aaron all the way to the days that Caiaphas stared Jesus face to face. None of them compare to the completion, to the perfection, to the sanctification, to the work found in Jesus Christ as, his, as our high priest. I'm reminded of 1 John chapter 1 where it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our, our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus has the ability to wipe away our slate of sin and come clean before the presence of God the Father on His heavenly throne. Then we read about in, in 1 Timothy chapter, 1, chapter 2 verse 5, it says that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We know Jesus was God, but we know he was also man. And this is very important as we get into our discussion about him as a high priest, because a high priest was a man. And a high priest had to be a man, because God wanted a man to come in and to intercede once a year on behalf of the people's and the individual's sin. And we know that a man could only fulfill that role, so God sent his only begotten son into the world to fulfill that role in such a way that no other high priest could. 
Jesus Christ is the perfect high priest. Today I want to share with you three thoughts from these ten verses. The first thought comes from verses one through four. I wrote on this. Not just about Jesus Christ, but also about the high priestly role in the Old Testament. Every high priest is ordained by God. Every high priest is ordained by God. The Bible tells us here that in verse number one, it speaks of the word ordained. Would you say that with me on three? One, two, three. Ordain. Say it again, please. Ordain. This word gives the idea that God specifically, divinely, purposefully appointed a person to a task. And this, in this context, he's speaking about how every high priest was specifically given a role by God. It's not something fabricated in, a, in, a, in an Old Testament synagogue or, or the Jewish temple. It's not something that can be fabricated today in a Bible college or seminary. And I like what one preacher said. He said, pastors are not made, they're born. He said, preachers are not made, they're born. And in a similar fashion, we understand that high priests in the Old Testament, they were not made, they were simply born to come in and fulfill that calling and summoning and commandment by God. Notice verse number one, it says, for every high priest. Going back, the writer of Hebrews has all those high priests from the first Levitical priest, high priest named Aaron, all the way up to this today and time that they're living in, that all of these high priests were taken from among men. They had to be appointed and ordained by mankind. Only a human being could fulfill that role, so not an angel. Uh, or, or in a sense, the, uh, any angelic being could not fulfill that role. Only a man could. And it says, ordained for men in things pertaining to God. Check it out now. That he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Every high priest is ordained by God. And here's the first aspect of the ordination of the high priestly role that I wrote down that I want to share with you from verse 1. They were ordained to offer sacrifices to God. They were ordained to offer sacrifices to God. The whole purpose of that role in the Old Testament was so that they could bring those turtle doves, those pigeons, those lambs, they could bring it before the altar, and so they could offer those sacrifices to God. And those animals had to be without spot, without blemish. They had to have no flaws in them, no broken bones, no, no unique um, spots on their fur or their skin. They had to be without blemish. And here... I believe the writer of Hebrews has his mind some of these, these offerings in the Old Testament, such as the burnt offering and such as the meat offering and such as the fellowship offering and the peace offering and, and all of the different offerings. And, and you can go back and read some of those in the Old Testament. But gifts and sacrifices, two words that are very similar and, and almost like synonyms. And, and here he's just simply saying that every time the high priest came in into that role, he did it so that he could bring sacrifice to God. I, I think about the greatest sacrifice that was ever given. I think that this verse and those sacrifices in the Old Testament, they ultimately point us to the greatest sacrifice ever made. And I'm not talking about some little lamb on the altar in the Old Testament. I'm talking about the Lamb of God on the altar of the cross 2,000 years ago. That was the greatest sacrifice ever made. And God the Father ordained God the Son to fulfill that role and the sacrifice on Calvary. You see, those, those sacrifices could not do justice to the greatest sacrifice through Jesus they could not pardon sins for eternity. They could not cleanse them like the blood of Jesus Christ can. And that leads me to the second verse. 
that first of all, the first aspect of this ordination was, was the sacrifice to God. And I'm reminded of that verse in, 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 in Romans where it says that we are to live our lives a living sacrifice to God. So today we don't have to take our life to the altar and sacrifice it like they did in the Old Testament. We just humble ourselves before God and we say, God, I'm going to live out my life as a sacrifice and a gift to you. Use it however you want. Verse number two goes on and it speaks about the aspect about the high priest's role within the people. So I wrote on this, they were ordained to serve the people of God. We see this kind of in verse number one also because this man was set apart to minister to men on behalf of God. Verse number two, the Bible says, who can have compassion? This word compassion, say that with me. Compassion. Say compassion again. Compassion. One more time, please. Compassion. This word literally means to pity. We see that God is the omniscient, all-knowing God, but he's also the all-sympathetic God. He understands not just what we know, but he understands how we feel. And that's what compassion is. It means putting yourself into somebody else's shoes and trying to understand the emotional state of their feelings. And here, the Bible says that, that Jesus did that. He looked out amongst the crowd, and they, they were like sheep with no shepherd, and he began to pity them. He had compassion on them. The Bible says he was moved with compassion, and it was that compassion that went to the cross. But, but he wanted a man in the high priestly role to have compassion on the people of God to pity them, to, to suffer, to try to s s figure out a way to understand the sufferings that they're going through. And then it says to have compassion on the ignorant because sometimes we don't know the word of God like we should. And so it's important that in the Old Testament sense, they had a high priest who spent his life dedicated to studying God's word and sharing God's word. In fact, the high priest oversaw all the other priests. So he was like the priest of the priests. And here, he would feed the people the Word of God when they lack the knowledge of the Word of God. And he served them. He was made accessible to them. The priests and the high priests, they were not like these holy, righteous, super saints. They were just simply people that were called by God, that were, that were given a specific task to serve the people. That's all what ministry is today. A pastor is called to serve the body of the, of the believers. And may I just humbly say this, I say this respectfully, that there's plenty of pastors throughout this land that are, that are living their lives in such a way that they are unaccessible to the people in their flock. And, and we have to understand that a pastor's role, pastoral staff, myself, Brother Dave, and the other pastors in our church, that, that we are here to serve you, and you should be able to come to us on your, on your need, with your needs, and so we can pray, we can counsel, we can share God's Word as we see fit. But then, it goes on to say, and on them that are out of the way. This gives the idea of the wayward children. So yes, they were there to be able to comfort and, and counsel and, and minister to the congregation when they needed it and when they lacked the understanding of God's word. But then also when they began to go astray from the word of God and began to live a lifestyle that was not pleasing to God, the Bible says that these priests, these high priests, they were there to help steer these believers back onto the straight and narrow path that God has called them to. We are all like sheep and have gone astray. There was a time in all of our lives where we were the one that left the fold of a hundred and Jesus in his love 
He ran after us faster than we could run from him. And he stepped in and he saved us miraculously and mercifully and graciously. And now we are part of the body of Christ. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. They were ordained to offer sacrifices to God. They were ordained to serve the people of God. But then check it out now. The verse goes on where it speaks about here in verse number two about the, the infirmities or these weaknesses that, that God wanted a high priest who experienced this life like everybody else so that he could, he could, in a sense, understand their suffering and their weaknesses and their sicknesses and then better minister to them. But then it transitions to verses three and four where, where I believe that they were ordained not just to, to bring these sacrifices, not just to serve, but they were ordained to live holy before God. And this is something that, that we're seeing all too frequently in Christendom. Pastors and Christian leaders falling into sin and sometimes defiantly, arrogantly living in sin as if there's nothing wrong. But here in verse number three, the Bible says that this role of Aaron and some of these others in the Old Testament, they were to live clean before God. Because if they, could, if they were not living clean before God, how could they share God's word with the people of God? For example, if I were to stand up here and say, you shall not commit adultery, you would expect me not to be sleeping around and committing adultery. If I were to stand up here and say, you shall not lie, you would expect me not to be lying to you on a, on a regular basis or at all. And we could go on and on. And so in like manner, the Bible says if anybody in the Old Testament sense is going to live a clean life, it's going to be the high priest. <laughs> the priest of priests. They're to serve God. And we ultimately know that all of us have sin. And the only way we could ever be holy is through Jesus Christ. But look at verse number three. It says, and by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself to offer sins. So before he offered sins, that, that sacrifice at the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies, before he offered it for the people of God, he first offered it for himself. Holiness. We read in the book of Revelation where the, those singers will sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Time and time again we read about, the Bible says, be holy because I am holy. And all that simply means is we need to live a lifestyle that's set apart from the world. And if we're doing exactly what, God, what the world is doing, then the world's going to say, hey, you're not living any differently than me, so why in the world should I believe this Jesus that you're professing to believe? But then verse number four, it's interesting. We see the fallenness of man here in verse four. We see the wretchedness of man in verse four. We see the very first ordained Levitical high priest mentioned here. And, and, and there's one instance in my mind that I thought of when I read this verse. It says, and no man taking this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Aaron was called of God, first of all, to serve underneath Moses. And then eventually he became the first ordained high priest of the law of Moses. And we see in Exodus chapter 32 that Moses on Mount Sinai, Moses meeting with God and Moses receiving the Ten Commandments and Moses comes down off the mountain and he hears a noise. The Bible says that at first he thought it was a noise of war. And then as he got closer and closer, he realized it was not war, it was a sound of music. And he gets there and they took all the earrings, all the gold that they could muster and they brought it together and they crafted a golden calf and they were worshiping that golden calf underneath Aaron's leadership. So we see... In this chapter, or we've seen so far that Jesus is surely greater than every prophet. 
Jesus is surely greater than every angelic being. Jesus is surely greater than Moses. Jesus is surely greater than Joshua. But here we see that Jesus is greater than Aaron is because Jesus was sinless and had no flaws in his life. In fact, the Bible says that he was tempted at all points. He was tested, tried, and tempted every way, shape, or form like we are. It's just he did not succumb. He did not give in to the temptation to sin. He could not sin because he was a son of God. And here we see that Aaron, we see he's mentioned, and he, his life was just a picture that one day would come that the greatest and most perfect high priest would come and live among us and die in our stead. Every high priest is ordained by God. But now let me share with you secondly. May I now draw your attention to verses 5 through 8. But remember, Jesus Christ is not just the great high priest, but he is the perfect high priest. But then in these next few verses, I wrote down this. Secondly, every high priest is called to bring glory to God. Every high priest is called to bring glory to God. You see, not only were they specifically appointed to a certain task to serve the people, but they were called in the midst of that service to reflect and direct every ounce of glory to Jehovah God. Same thing in ministry. Every ounce of glory pastors receive, every ounce of glory is, as church members receive or any Christian who receives should immediately be reflected and directed to God Almighty because He alone is worthy of our worship. He alone is worthy of our praise and our honor. In verse 5 and 6, we see Christ did not glorify himself to be made a high priest. And as I begin to read these verses, verses 5 and 6, I wrote down this. Here's a way we can apply this to our life today. Bring glory to God by walking in humility. Bring glory to God by walking in humility. Here we see the writer of Hebrews has a Jewish, a Messianic Jewish audience. So these are Christian Jews, these Hebrews. They're receiving this message that he's preaching to them. And, and he, time and time again, he has is, he is mentioned and referenced Old Testament passages. And so he does it once again. In verse number five, he goes back to Psalm number two, verse seven. And he says, thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Speaking about Jesus Christ. And then in verse number six, he speaks from Psalm 110. And he, and he quotes that passage. He says that, and he says this, he says, he says, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And we'll talk about Melchizedek in a few more minutes. But specifically, he'll be mentioned in great detail in chapter 7. And we'll talk about it then. And I'll share more about him in just a few moments. But here, I want to I just emphasize this. Is that we need to keep our audience in mind whenever we're teaching and preaching and sharing God's word. And the audience here was, was a Jewish background. So he instantly goes back to the Old Testament and makes a beeline and says, Hey, Psalm number 2, Psalm 110, it's about the Messiah. It's about Jesus. He's our high priest. He's greater than Aaron. So let's bring all of our glory to him. I was also reminded in this section where, where the Bible says, in fact, Paul wrote these words in, in Philippians. He says that Jesus Christ was, was made in fashion like a man. He humbled himself. He wrapped himself with humility every ounce from the, from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. He was wrapped in a humble spirit. And there he became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. And because of Christ's gracious humility, we see that God the Father graciously and generously gave him a name that is far above every name. And it is at his name every knee is going to bow. And every knee will con confess that Jesus is Lord. 
The question is, is we got to do it now or we do it in eternity when it's too late? Walk in humility, my fellow brothers and sisters, like the example of Jesus Christ. But then in verses 7, in verse 7, the writer of Hebrews, do not mistake that he's, he's not referring to Melchizedek here in verse 7. He's referring to Jesus Christ. It's clear, very clear. And it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared. In this, I wrote down this thought that we can apply to our lives today about the high priest giving glory to God. Bring glory to God by praying to God Almighty. Jesus did that time and time again. Over and over in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see Jesus going to God the Father and praying. That does not negate his divinity. What it does is assure us of his humanity and his necessity to be a human being so that he could once and for all, like the earthly high priest marching into the Holy of Holies, so that he as a human being could go into the cross and there he could die and, and shed his blood so that we could receive forgiveness of sins. And there we see that, in a sense, he did lay down a portion of some of his divine attributes so that he could be clothed with humility, excuse me, clothed with humanity and humility. And there he prays to God. And if he, the Son of God, prayed to God the Father, shouldn't we do the same? If at ever a time in history we need to be praying, it's now. If at ever a time we need to go to the throne of grace, it is now. If at ever a time we need to get back to the old-fashioned prayer altar and get on our knees and beg God to send revival and move in our world, it is now. We see in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was praying. And he was praying with such fervency and urgency that as he began to, to pour sweat from his skull, blood dripped from his crown. And he said, not my will, but thine be done. After saying, God, take this cup. And he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And that leads me to verse 8. That not only can we walk in humility and pray to God Almighty to bring glory to God, but, but I wrote down this, bring glory to God by obeying God Almighty. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. If I had to die for the sins of the world, I would have not lasted after the whipping stand. There would have been no way I could have gone through that brutality of those whips and that whip and strike after strike after strike. And there would have been no way that I could have picked up that heavy wooden cross and put it on my back and walked down those roads to go to Golgotha. No way I could do it. And there'd be no way I could go onto the cross and be hung there and stakes driven in my wrists and in my, in my, in my feet and then, and then a crown of thorns driven into my skull. There's no way I could have done it. Jesus obeyed. And we see that he was obedient all the way to the moment of his agony and torment and suffering. And so I say this, that if Jesus can obey God the Father's will, so can we, with his help. 
May I ask you this? Are you bringing glory to God with your life? During this time with, with what's going on, this utter pan, pandemonia going on in our world, are we careful to bring glory to God with everything that we're doing? From the conversations that we're having to social media posts to, to just the way we're conducting ourselves? Are we, are we careful to obey God and, and pray and walk in humility and then to just direct all honor and glory to Him? And that leads me to the third thought. Not just every high priest is ordained by God. Not just every high priest is called to bring glory to God. But I wrote down thirdly, and this is important. Every high priest is made perfect by God. Every high priest is made perfect by God. In verse number nine, I guess the writer of Hebrews likes to be controversial. In fact, as I've shared before, the Bible just seems to enjoy controversy because of the different interpretations people have. And sometimes people have different interpretations. They come to a verse like this and they begin to question, is salvation really by grace through faith? But notice, before we get into that, I want you to know this. The only perfect high priest is Jesus Christ. We could talk about Aaron all day. How great of a man he was underneath Moses. We could talk about Melchizedek back in the book of Genesis and how his life pictures him. We'll talk about it in just a second. We could talk about many of the other high priests that are mentioned over throughout Scripture. But none of them compare to the perfection found in Jesus Christ. You see this word perfect in, in, in the New Testament? It does give this idea that somebody is, perf is made perfectly complete by the very grace of God. And I want you to know this, that, that, that all of us here, we are wretched sinners. Every high priest is a wretched sinner that's ever lived. But there's only one perfect, sinless high priest, and that is Jesus Christ. And that's why he is called the perfect high priest here in our passage today. He goes on to say, he became the author of eternal salvation. I wrote down, not only the only perfect high priest is Jesus Christ, I wrote down this, the only author of salvation is Jesus Christ. You know, we've talked about before many of the, the best-selling books of all time, that, that book called Think and Grow Rich, you know, that, that somebody wrote years ago and sold millions of copies and millions of people have read it. Great Great book that you can learn many, many, many principles about managing your financing. Then you have the novel that, that was written called Harry Potter that has sold millions upon millions of books and millions and millions of people have read it. But I want you to know this, that as great of, as great of a talent that those authors have had in crafting each chapter and crafting each story to capture our attention and just to, just to kind of take us into another world sometimes. None of them and no author ever in history has ever been able to write a greater plan of salvation than Jesus Christ. Here the Bible says that he is the author. He's not just any author. He's the author of eternal. That word eternal means forever and ever and ever and ever. No beginning, no ending. And he is the author. And it says of salvation. This word salvation means deliverance. So he is the, he is the writer of this Forever deliverance in Jesus Christ. We open up the law of Moses. We know Moses didn't pin those words by himself only. He was given those words by the Holy Spirit of God. We know that, 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 that the Old Testament prophets, and such as Jeremiah and Ezekiel and, and many of the others like Isaiah, they, they wrote down these words of Scripture by the very empowerment of the Spirit of God. 
We read about Paul and Peter and James and John. They wrote these letters and they did not do it in their own merit. God gave them the words. So the book that I'm holding, the book that you have in your hand, it's not, an auth- it's not, it's not a book written by human authors. It's a book written by a divine author and his name is Jesus Christ. And it is in this book that we find salvation alone. You can't find salvation, I say this respectfully, in the mosque. I'm sorry, you can't. You can't find salvation in the Buddhist temple. I'm sorry, you can't. You can't find salvation in any other place than Jesus Christ. And that leads me here to the final phrase of this verse. It says, he's the author of eternal salvation unto all them that, that obey him. And so some have, have taken this word obey and they say, well, maybe, maybe the, the salvation is, is not by grace and faith alone. Maybe it's also through, through works. But actually, that's not what this verse teaches at all. And in fact, whenever you get into these controversial passages, when you begin to study them and try to go precept upon precept and line upon line and here a little and there a little, you find out that the Holy Spirit will give you the right interpretation and illumination. And here this word, this phrase that obey him to all who obey him, it just simply means to all who will hearken to his voice. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you hear God's word and you don't hearken and believe that Jesus is Savior, then you have not obeyed his commandment of salvation. And that leads me to verse 10. Here's what I wrote down. The life of Melchizedek points to the life of Jesus Christ. There's going to be some that will go back to Genesis chapter 14. I believe, if my memory serves me correct, that's a chapter of Melchizedek. They'll go back to that chapter and they'll begin to say that Melchizedek is a theophany or a Christophany. And that is a bodily manifestation of Jesus Christ in his pre-incarnate state. I just think there's not enough evidence for that. And so I simply believe that his life is a picture of the life to come through the greatest high priest, Jesus Christ. We'll talk more about Melchizedek in chapter 7, but, but listen to this. Melchizedek was a high priest, but he was also a king. Aaron, every other priest in the Old Testament that I'm aware of, they were not a high priest and a king. And then, because he was also a high priest and a king, it's interesting, in the book of Genesis, the Bible never speaks about when his kingship began and when his kingship ends, and so it just pictures this thought that Jesus Christ's kingship has always been and always will be. Jesus Christ forever reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. And then his priestly roles as the high priest, Melchizedek, it never speaks about when it began and when it ended. It just speaks about how when he was alive, he was just always the high priest. And here the Bible says that Melchizedek is probably the greatest type of a high priest in the scriptures from Aaron to Caiaphas, all of them, because his reign, his rule, his high priestly stuff, it never had a beginning and an ending that is recorded. And so Jesus, right now, yes, he's king of kings, yes, he's lord of lords, but he's also the eternal, perfect high priest, and he is forever interceding and mediating between God the Father and humanity on our behalf. He is perfect. He deserves glory, and he was ordained to go to the cross so that we could experience salvation in him. That leads me to this final question. Are you perfect? Are you perfect? Of course, you might be thinking in your mind, that's a foolish question. Nobody's perfect outside of Jesus, and that's precisely the point. 
In fact, Jesus preached this message. He preached this, this thought in Matthew chapter 4, verse 48. He said, be ye therefore perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. God commands us to be perfect. So if you're not perfect, if I'm not perfect, how can we ever be made perfect like this perfect high priest? I'm glad you asked. The only way we can be made perfect is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That is, Paul said it like this, that he who knew no sin became sin so that we could have the righteousness of God in him. And so that when we humble ourselves before God and we bow before his presence and say, God, I confess I'm a sinner. God, I need you to be my savior and forgive me my sins. And we literally say, God, step in and give me your righteousness because all of my righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. And in that moment, he will impute his righteousness upon us and we will be made like him in our standing with Christ. Jesus Christ is the perfect high priest. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.